Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Listeners, welcome to episode 133. We are back in studio after taking a couple weeks off. It's been so long, Doc. I feel like this is deja vu, not even like a, a next episode. This is our first episode ever. I think it's been like a month since you've been here, man. Is that true? I think that's probably true, yeah. Yeah, I think the last one we it's did was like a month ago. So today is October 20th, 2023, everybody. And in the good spirit of getting close to Halloween, we've picked a spooky topic. Whoa. Today, we're going to talk about brain mapping. Now, Doc, let me know how accurate this is. Brain mapping is when you take a client, you cut their head open, mm-hmm. and you put a map on their mm-hmm. brain yep. to all the good places yep. in their community, right? The fellowships, yep. the sober living houses. Yep. You erase the, the path to the dope man's house, right? and then you put their head back together, Correct. right? Kind of like a Frankenstein, everything right? You, everything you said is totally correct. Except we're higher tech these days, so we don't have to put the map in there. We just put a GPS device in there. You just map and then, it? And then okay. close it back up, and now you can Got get it. See, the old school days, they had to print yeah. off a map quest, yeah. four or five, six pieces <laughs> right. of paper, staple right. it, and then with, stick it in your head. With that, the directions that's at the right. bottom. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. So it's a good thing uh, none of us know what we're talking about here. But for that, we've actually brought well, in... We brought an expert. We brought in an expert. Sweet. You want to go ahead and introduce her? I don't know her. Her name's Don McComb. So I met Don about four minutes ago, and we're like uh, this. we are like that we're for sure. Way back before um, this thing started, they were having a contest on who could crack the most inappropriate jokes, and I think right I now lost. it's fifty-fifty. No, but, I lost. I lost. But we've agreed to withdraw that contest for the next fifty-two minutes. Um, we did. Yeah. Something about a minute. Well, I don't mom. think he agreed with you or me. You agreed, <laughs> but we're going to still do it. Okay. Uh, so Don McComb, uh, who I just met, and. Uh, very interested to get to know her. So, can we? Uh, oh, yeah. We so we Dawn Dawn works with me. Okay. At uh, Steps Recovery Center. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You, you guys are like completely screwing up the podcast. I know. We're gonna get into. Oh, we're, we'll get there. Okay. Sorry. We'll get I was there. Sorry. It's been a month. I don't know. I'm, we'll I know. Get right? there. Who, who's I've, the one screwing it up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten the format. Oh, oh Dawn. I like Dawn all of a sudden a lot. She is a strong woman, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So don't, don't mess around with her; she'll kill you. I have the opportunity of working with Dawn in our outpatient setting at uh, Steps Recovery Centers in St. George, Utah. She's a, she's an amazing therapist. She's the glue in the grease, right? She holds the place together. So, Dawn is a CMHC. I am CMHC. So and an SUDC. Uh, will you do me a favor? We have we have audience members that probably don't know what that means. So yeah, tell us what an SUDC is and is what, what a CMCH is. Is at the end of a bank ad when you try to get credit? Yes, <laughs> it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. I'm a substance use disorders counselor Beautiful. and a mental what about CMC? Clinical, Clinical mental health counselor. Beautiful. A lot of credentials so, behind the name. A lot of school. So SUDC for those listening that don't know, that's a certificate program. Where'd you do that? It's actually a degree. I'm sorry. That's okay. I did that in Santa Barbara, California. Oh, really? And then uh, CMHC is a master's degree, right? It is. And where'd you do that? Walden University. Okay. And where are you from? Um, Long Beach. I okay. live live here for the past six years, though. Okay, cool. Originally from California. Well, we're going to get into more about Don in a minute, but we do have some things that we normally do that Sean's getting upset about. So. Yeah, that's true. Let's get our sponsorship some love. Should we do that? Sure. So, episode 133, part one, is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is an adult substance abuse and mental health treatment provider. Steps Recovery Centers provides all levels of care. They have multiple. De- they have a detox facility, multiple residential treatment, treatment centers, and outpatient treatment services reaching from the top of Utah to the bottom. Recovery starts with you, and at Steps Recovery Centers, there is always hope. Call them today at 801-800-8142 or visit their website at stepsrc.com to learn more. That's the official tagline. I, I, like I started this thing off with, I love Steps. Whether you live in Utah or not, we pick people up from the airport. We'll take you or your loved one straight to detox, right? So for those people that are in Utah, 
It's a great resource if you live outside of the state of Utah. I know we, we got some listeners outside of the state of Utah. If you or your loved one needs help, reach out to them. Like I said, we'll pick you up straight from the airport, take you right into detox. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yes, we do. They're good to us. Episode 133, part one, is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. The first one is Mindful Mood. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. The second one is Mind Shift. Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Again, these are supplements for the brain, the noggin, the old noodle. If you're interested, go to riseupsups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S dot C-O-M. That's uh, promo code PODCAST20 saves you 20% off at checkout. It has been a minute since we've done these. Usually I nail those You lines. do nail those. You didn't totally nail it today, but you did fine. Yeah. Thank, That's my thank new you. favorite stuff, you know. Is what? it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What? The, those supplements. Really? She, yeah. She, yeah, I talked to her the other day. The mind shift you were saying. I, I like, world I like mind shift. I do. Yeah. In fact, I need some mind shift. So I always tell I people you up early, the mind later. shift is like the gas pedal. The mindful mood's like the brake. Yeah, I need gas right? pedal. Yeah. It's good stuff. I haven't even gotten into the mindful mood yet because I, I just need more gas. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, we could. Oh, okay. Should we start it off with new and goods? Sean Denovan, let's get you in the mix. I see you over there scrolling. You're busy at work. What's You're new welcome. and good in your life, man? How's your October been? It, it's almost over. It's like just whizzed by. It's gone. I'm already looking at November going, what happened? What are you I don't about? have time for this. Got too many things to do. What's going on? I don't have well, any more time. Get him some, would you get him some breaks, yeah. please? Yeah, we need some mindful mood up in the studio for, for Denovan. You yeah. got your lumberjack uh, sweater on, though. You going to go home and chop some wood? Yeah, let me see. Yeah, there we go. The flannel, baby. He's in the flannel. It was, uh, it was crisp this morning, so I decided to put something on that would that would uh, help me deal with the crispness yeah, in the air. It's a crisp 95 degrees right now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Denovan. Appreciate it. Let's get to our guest. Dawn, what's new and good in your life? How's your October been? Um, yeah, kind of like Sean. It's flown by. I can't believe it's like Halloween. I, but I was literally just at Costco buying Christmas decorations. I know. Oh, you that. cannot buy Christmas decorations in October. Here's the thing. That's, All right, podcast over. That's <laughs> against the rules right there. Okay, but here's the thing. So I have five adult children okay. who are all married, okay. and I don't deal with in-laws. So we have our Thanksgiving, Christmas combined, the first weekend of November, and then I peace out for the rest of the holiday season. Like, I'll be back. I actually love that. That's rad. <laughs> you know, just get it all done in one sitting. Well, and then they get to do, they've got kids, right? So they do their kid thing and then they go see their in-laws and no pressure from me. Like I don't, yeah, fight for time and everybody comes because it's like before all the nonsense starts happening. Hey, if it's working for you, that's great. And I love it. I don't even know about these haters, but I'm all about it. That oh, there's awesome. no haters here. I'm, I'm actually evaluating the utility of that approach and it seems like it's a pretty decent approach. It is a little crazy that they... they Christmas comes earlier and earlier every year, right? Eventually, we're going to be like Fourth of July fireworks, and then just Christmas. <laughs> if yeah. we get to the Fourth of July fireworks, I know we're probably going to have New Year's Day and then Christmas. It really does feel like Pretty school sad. starts one week and Christmas is the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can you, see that. You got something for us, Donovan? I see you over there no, scheming. No, never mind. He took off his flannel shirt. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask me after the show. It's a good joke. Uh, okay. All right, Sellers, you're up. What's new and good, buddy? What's going on in the world of the dock? Uh, I got nothing. I got Every nothing. Every week, man. I'm going to force nothing. you. Don, help me out with this. We're going to okay. force Sellers to find a positive event going on in his life in oh, the month of October. Well, my whole life is positive, first of all. Well, you know Everything's good. Um, got a new thermos. The size of your head. <laughs> no, no, that's the that's the downsized thermos, <laughs> uh, and it's lovely. Saves me a bunch of money. Uh, but what is new and good? Let's see here. My, we had the Sobriety Foundation Gala last week. At a boy. And uh, as you're aware, I'm a board member of the Sobriety Foundation, and it's kind of our big event of the year. And I got to sit at a table with some good friends of mine. Thanks. Yeah, it was Sat fun. At, got to sit with Jared and his wife. My wife and I went. And then 
had some other good friends at the table as well. And that's a that's a fun event. It's a lot of work for the board, but it's uh it raised we raised a ton of money the other night and your, it's great. Your old co host was there when you guys would record just on the uh, drive yeah. to yeah. what was the name of that podcast? That was Two Doctors on a Drive. It's uh, still out there, people. Go check it out. Yeah, the doc do- literally has a phone and he's just cruising in a car with another co host. Well, we got we got crazy and bought a really decent piece of equipment one time, but it's it was recorded in our cars. In in my car, in traffic, like literally, we're driving, <laughs> we're driving. Uh, well, at the time, Chris, we did it a few times, but um, we worked either at Aqua, which is up in Heber, so a thirty-minute drive, or we still were doing it when Kristen was working at Highland Ridge and I was working at Pathways up in Salt Lake, and so we just bring along a thing, uh, this little recording device, and record. Uh, we had topics, but it was pretty free flowing. Because can, can we show it, Sean? Sean's got to pull the page. There it is. Two the doctors on a drive. Musings on addiction. History. Oh, it's it's terrible audio. There's no question. Musings on addiction. Yeah, okay. we uh, just sit there and basically chat. We we occasionally, well, we not occasionally. We'd usually have a, a topic we tried to talk about. But half the time, you know, like people are honking at us and like you can hear all the traffic stuff. You can hear me swearing at other drivers. And so that's, uh, that, that was the origins of my podcast uh, history right there. Too funny. Thanks man. for bringing that up. Uh, yeah. What's new and good in your life? New and good in my life. Uh, I think Sean's working on that. We'll try to get that up for you guys that are watching the video version of this. My mom came down. So, yeah, the so last mom. weekend. She's not your mom. She's the podcast's mom. I know. I lo- listen, Ju- I'm a mama's boy through and through. Yeah, so she came down this weekend to spend some time with me and Mandy. That's going to be super fun. We got a tea time tomorrow morning. That's new and good. The Sobriety Foundation was cool. After the Sobriety Foundation event last weekend, me and Mandy went to the Utes game, and that's why my five head got fried. Uh, It's peeling currently. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But, yeah, no, it was a blast. Like, I've had a great October. It's been good, good, man. A lot of new and good. Did the Utes win last week? I can't remember. They did. They played Cal. Cal. Yeah, I mean, we we don't have an offense to save our lives. But you know, that's okay. We, we won. Uh, that's okay. My team doesn't have an offense or a defense. <laughs> the only time but our special I heard, teams is good. <laughs> we're getting way off topic and we're running out of time. What? But the only time I ever heard the crowd go crazy, except for when we score touchdowns, is when they posted BYU losing <laughs> to was it Baylor? Who was uh, it? We lost to TCU last week. TCU. That just the Utes crowd would no. go crazy every time, <laughs> they, and they would put it on the board and they would like do the. In and out uh-huh. thing, you know. I'll have you. I'll have you know that when they post uh, at at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, when they post that the Utes are losing, nobody cares. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. That <laughs> we, we can't. We don't have that much energy to give to hatred. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That rivalry is alive and doing well. Oh, that's right. All I know is the Astros were winning last night when I stopped. Are you watching. an Astros fan? I hate. The Astros. Oh. I'm a fan of whoever is playing the Astros. Really? How did that come about? <laughs> because I'm actually a Dodgers fan. Uh, Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Well, I LA Dodgers. can't think of very many teams I hate more than the Dodgers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Yankees. Oh. I hate the Yankees way more than the Dodgers, so it's okay. We can hey, let's, uh, let's move. Yankees. Yeah, let's do it. Don, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions before okay. we get started so, on, on topic real quick. This, the, the topic of the conversation today is... Brain mapping therapy. Yeah. Cool. It's actually yeah, but I want to know Don a little bit. Spotting. Sorry. Brain spotting therapy. Yeah. If he'd have oh, let me man. talk, I would spotting. have said brain spotting. Would you? Yeah. Well, I saw the I'm seeing the book, right? Uh, Don, tell us first of all just a little bit about yourself. Like who are you? Who am I? So, um, well, tell about my professional life. Yeah. That? But we want to know a little bit personal stuff too. I want to know about your family. Well, I've got five kids and we're doing Christmas next week. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's what she's giving you, Doc. That's all I get. <laughs> I've got five grandkids. How old are your kids? My youngest is 23. My oldest is, oh gosh, Dallas, how old, how old are you? Um, oh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, sorry. It's okay, 35? No. 30? He's like 40. No, he's 30. You know what? You're right. He's like 35, 37. Oh, poor Dallas. He's like, Mom, I have, some, <laughs> I have kids of similar ages. Yeah, yeah, not five though. I have less, but anyway. Um, okay, and five grandkids. Five grandkids. How's grandma being? How's it being, grandma? Gosh, I don't, I don't see those kids enough. Where yeah. do they live? <laughs> they live in Enterprise. <laughs> oh. That's the worst part. We're so close, and I just wow. yeah. 
I know. Those oh, poor well. babies. In fact, I just talked to their mom and she's like, when do we get to see Gigi Dawn? Do we get to see her anymore? Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm actually leaving for New Zealand for Jared. Actually, he's really excited for me to go in the mid, mid-November. Well, that's new and good. I wouldn't say anyway. excited for you to go. We're going <laughs> to, you know, we're going to do our best without you. He's excited yeah. that you get to go. Yes. There you I, go. I'll be happy yeah. for you. Just bring me back a trinket or something and we'll call it even. I All right. definitely will. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Where are you from originally? Um, I was born in Long Beach. Okay. I moved here from Santa Barbara, actually. Okay. This is where I raised my kids mostly, on the beach in Santa Barbara. So oh. they're all little surf bums. That's nice. Um, I grew up all over the U.S. and Canada. My dad did contract work for the government, so okay. we just moved a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like an army brat, but not. Mm. What I The question I have, and we'll roll into the topic today, is what got you in this field? That always interests me, right? Because like for us, That's it's a, a little question. obvious. We've been doing this podcast. We're both in recovery. I, I know that you're what we call kind of the normie folk, right? Or at least I'm assuming. Um, what got you into this field of wanting to work in social work, substance abuse? Normie? She's high right now. <laughs> high, on, high on life. Just, yeah. just a little. Um, yeah, so I went back to school as an adult and didn't want to actually just so why'd you do it felt compelled to do it yeah it was that kind was of a, a weird situation it's an internal sort of calling thing yes i gotta yeah. go back to school okay yeah and i fought it for a while and it just kept getting worse and worse i finally signed up last minute for a, like the only class that was available it was an evening class where i met this woman named elisa gothel and she was a professor at, in santa barbara and yeah that was all she wrote I had tons there. My family is riddled with addiction and death from addiction and mm-hmm. incarceration from addiction and all the fun things. And yeah. And I have, uh, you know, my own fun nonsense in my past. So it's all good. We just, I didn't want to have to deal with this population at all. And it was not what I wanted to do. I'm like, you all are a mess. Why would I do that? But super very, common feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was the first class I took was actually a teenage drug use prevention. And Elisa taught that class. And next thing I know, I'm doing research. I had basically had a degree and the school just said, just come do 10 units with us and then we'll complete your degree. I'm like, cool. I ended up taking 40 units to get an associate's <laughs> degree as a substance use disorders counselor. And yeah, I just. I knew it was what I was supposed to be doing, so I haven't looked back. I've worked with youth and adults for... So how long have you been in this field, then? About 10 years. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, the youth are uh, a tough population in and of themselves, and yeah, I've worked with the youth as well. We've talked about this, and yeah, that's that's a... it's a good starting point, though. Isn't that the key population, though? Like, if we could really affect the lives of youth... Then we could really make some some dents in this whole thing, right? I'd rather work with youth than adults, but you have to work with their parents too. So, oh man, <laughs> I I can't tell you how many people. So I don't specifically work with youth, but I know a number of people that do, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard that comment right there. These youth that are struggling don't come from a vacuum; they come from a house where they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, that's hard. That's a hard part of the job for sure. So Don. Today, you, I asked you to come on the podcast. You shared that you know you you um, had some ideas. We met later. You said I I really would love to do something on trauma work. One of the tools for trauma work, I've been calling it the wrong thing this whole time, and I apologize. Instead of brain mapping, it's brain spotting. Correct. So let's go ahead. Where do you want to jump into this topic and how it affects um, clients, individuals? Well, can I ask some questions? Let's get really general first of all, because I, I yeah. bet almost. None of our listeners have any idea what brain spotting is. Yeah, there are six practitioners in Southern Utah. Yes, yeah. I, I would and say as I'm a, six as I'm a physician, six, yes. I'm not even a hundred percent sure what we're talking about today. So. I'm actually number seven, I think. So, so enlighten us on what the general generally what are we talking about today? Yeah, so um, brain spotting was developed by David Grant, and he um, trauma um, informed therapist who had many trauma modalities trained in the majority of all trauma modalities worked with um, people who had um, disassociative disorder Um, so they 
used to be back known back in the day as multiple personalities. Mm. And he was using EMDR quite a bit with them and just kind of happened to find that when he was, he would use his hand, you know, to like mm-hmm. have their moves, their eyes move back and forth and found that at certain spots, they would, their eyes would do certain things or their body would have a certain reaction. And he kind of went with it and developed brain spotting. So, um, and he just feels like it's way more, um, effective. And I have a really good friend, Mark Pimsler, who I went to a training with my last training in experiential therapy. And he, um, is a same, very well versed in all, most all trauma modalities. And he said that he uses brain spotting more than anything. And it was really effective. So I decided I'd go and get trained in it. So what is, um, what does that training entail? So you go to, um, a four day, eight to six, um, sort of conference like thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an intensive kind of training actually. And then you have to have six hours of, um, one-on-one consultation and 50, um, train, you know, do it on 50 people, 50 sessions okay. and like record and synthesize those 50 sessions okay. and then you're certified. But I, so there's a body that certifies you. There's a governing sort of body that correct. Well, you submit all that stuff to, and then he gets, and then you get a certification in it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you, you can practice and not be certified, but once you're certified, then like you're on their listing, I guess, or whatever, sure. and you're, you know, sure. all the little credential through them credential, and they help yeah. publicize or promote that you're one of the people that's certified Correct. in that modality. Right. Are you, are you aware of people that are practicing this that are not certified? So I just actually at that conference met a couple of people, met one gal from down here and then another girl who was getting trained. So, and we were all, we're all practicing and, um, I, I think Julie is certified, but yeah, I'm not positive. So, yeah. but she's, she's kind of taken a long route. I guess she had some kids in the interim and kind of stopped for a while. And then life gets in the back. way. Yeah. Life gets lifey. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we got a couple minutes before we go into the break, I just wanted to tell our listeners, if you're watching this live on Facebook, if you have any questions or comments, anything, if you type into the, uh, comment section we can get those for dawn while she's here with us if i can pay attention to it and i promise that i'll try i'll look, um, at, I'll look at it i yeah. can't read it but i can look at it and point and tell you to read it <laughs> yeah and, and and just to jump back into the conversation uh so there's a lot of different a lot it seems to me like there's a lot of different thing ways to deal with trauma you mentioned emdr correct emdr Explain to the listeners how that's effective and maybe the differences between EMDR and the, and the brain spotting. So I'm not certified in EMDR. I just am aware of it. Um, it's eye, when eye movement desensitization reintegration. That's what EMDR stands for. Um, basically, in trauma, you have different parts of your brain, right, that are affected by different things that happen to you in your life. And as in order to like have a memory, you actually have like little proteins, platelets that lay down an actual like track. So like the first time you use, right, because it's emotional and it's physical and it's you're, you know, there's so many different things being brought into it. It's kind of like a lightning bolt and then it goes right to your limbic system, which is the part of your brain that doesn't actually think about anything. It runs all your shuns, your circulation, your, you know, uh, respiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when somebody says to you, because you've been using, they're like, what the hell were you thinking? And you can literally say, I, I wasn't because you weren't right. I mean, it's just like right into that autonomic brain system. So basically, um, what brain spotting is doing is when you're activated and we try and like help a client get activated from zero to 10, we don't want them to be like more than an eight, right? Cause then you're starting to kind of crawl out of your skin. Mm. They get activated on a subject and then we just hold a pointer because holding, they discovered holding your hand up for 45 minutes was like really tiring. <laughs> <clears throat> and so now, you know, those little 
flag holder pointers that like if you see somebody in a crowd and they're like leading and they've got a little flag at the top and they're like a not car the, antenna. Not, not the giant foam hand number one. Not that. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No, it looks more like a car antenna. And anyway, so they and it literally is one of those. Oh, I wow. Think. We're going to come back and get that okay. after this little uh, 30 second break from our sponsors. So to hear more, join us after this little sponsorship mention. We appreciate our listeners. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Sepsi Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery. It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today. Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second part of episode number 133 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. We have special guest Don McComb in the studio. And Don has been uh, educating us on brain spotting. And we'll get right back to that. But before we do, we need to mention another sponsor, at least one more. We have a company that helps us out. They are called the Hilton Garden Inn. And the Hilton Garden Inn has been sponsoring this podcast essentially from the beginning of the podcast. Day one. Yeah. They've been fantastic to us. And uh, if you happen to travel through southern Utah, just look up Hilton Garden Inn. Do a quick little Google search. It'll take you right there. The Hilton Garden Inn is, well, first of all, it's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. Did you know that? I love it. They it have, is. They ha- the Hilton Garden Inn is fantastic. They have great staff. They have wonderful amenities. The room's Again, I've been harping on this a little bit because I, I don't stay in hotel rooms a ton, but I, I've been in quite a few hotel rooms in my day. They're huge. Those rooms are big. At the Hilton, they're huge. Yeah, they're plenty. Today, they're making these like Hyatt rooms that are like the size right, of a closet. A closet. True. Yeah. Right, True. like the, there's no room to, there's in, you can. You feel like you're in a suite. You can run around yeah. in the room in the Hilton Garden Inn. It's big and the, um, the pool obviously is lovely and the staff's super friendly. So just give them a shot and uh, they'll treat you right, I promise. And just a quick little, I don't want to cut in too much to, to Dawn's time here, but a quick little story about this that I've never shared. And it, it, we're coming up on like our three-year anniversary. It was, well, we're, we passed it, but they've been our day one. And the cool thing about this is it, substance abuse affects so many people. And I won't out the person that has direct ties to it, but there, there was somebody at the Hilton Garden Inn that pretty high up that was able to help us out with this that has family members that have struggled and it was near and dear to his or her heart and so that individual really was like as soon as we basically pitched the idea he was he or she was like absolutely right like what can we do so just cool i think it might be a he yeah it is i'm just guessing here yeah yeah and then they do the conference the na conference every year at, at that hotel yeah that's cool. So big promoters, big, big helpers. Yeah, we love them. that. No yeah. question. Since right. listening to your podcast, I actually have stayed there. Have you? Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Just because you brought it up. Well, thanks. Like, okay, cool. But, that, yeah. That goes well for us because now they know that we've at least sent them a tiny bit of business. Yeah. So they love us for that and we love them for sponsoring it. So It's one of those nights I was working until 10 o'clock and I'm like, I am not oh. driving home. <laughs> Where's I'm home? exhausted. It's an hour away. What is, where is it? It takes me a minute. Springdale. She lives up right at the mouth of Zion. How many Springdales are there in Utah? There's Springville. I think there's, and then there's at Springdale. least two Springdales. Really? I believe there's a Springdale up in Provo Canyon. Hmm. I'll look it up later. We're not going to okay. look it up on the podcast. But right. there also is a Springdell, D-E-L-L, in Different Utah. Springdell, Springdale, and Springdale. 
All right, well, let's get back to it. We were starting to talk about brain spotting. Yep. And uh, you were starting to describe the. Um, this is a really cool topic to me because uh, a, a couple of things. A long time ago, uh, I, I was around during this kind of when uh, we started having trauma informed therapists, right? And yeah. trauma informed therapy. And to me, it was weird. I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't love the term. But, uh, you know, you can't stay in the business very long and realize we're really treating trauma. We're not. We're, addiction is people's way of dealing with trauma. And can you say every single person who becomes addicted on the planet has trauma? Uh, probably not. But a giant proportion of them do. Most of them do. Statistically, they're much higher to, to develop a substance abuse disorder if they have some form of physical, sexual, emotional trauma in their background. Yeah, right? and like, so if all we do in treatment is teach people how not to use drugs and alcohol, uh, then you have only treated the symptom. You've only treated their, their way to deal with trauma, but you haven't treated the trauma. So uh, fortunately, we're developing more and more tools to deal with trauma now, and brain spotting sounds like it's one of them. And so... Let's keep going. You were talking about, so we we left you in the audience at a football game with a pointer. No, that's not where we were. But you were talking about, you were talking about the giant foam finger. You're going to do that once, aren't you? You're going to use that in one of your brain spotting sessions. I am. Um, okay, but let's get back to that. So you've got a, a, a pointer, an area of focus. A Right. 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 Because basically it's just something for the eyes to focus on and and. It's moved across the field of vision until the therapist sees a reaction. Mm. And if somebody is very aware of their body, they will feel a reaction and they can, you know, say, oh, nope, it's, it's over here. It's more to the left. When I had it done on me, I was kind of skeptical. They, because I love to study neurology, they're giving the first half of the first day presentation. And I'm like, oh, this is. This is a bunch of woo-woo, <laughs> like I was, you know. Bunch of snake oil. Yeah. And so um, they're like, you know, email us if you want to be somebody that we work with. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> sent in that email on a subject that I thought I had really done a lot of processing on and I was good with, right? Like I was a solid suds zero, right? Like I was not reactionary on it. In your own personal life? In my own personal okay. life. Yeah. There's 35 people there. And and I had in the past been very reactionary about it. And um, so I get there and she, they, they picked me. And so that I'm working with this professional therapist and sitting across from her and 35 people are gathered around like mm. right, you know, all around. And I, and you can follow, you know, the pointer to get a, a point or you can just start like saying the story and um, she will notice or whoever your therapist will notice. She noticed like I kept looking to one specific spot over and over again. She's like, so you're it's up here. And I'm like, yeah, because I kept looking at the air conditioner out there anyway. So I was like, oh, whatever. And so then I just keep looking there and I keep talking about it. And then like. Next thing I know, I'm like weeping and sobbing, and I have—I still have a vulnerability hangover from that session of 35 Whoa. people watching me process stuff and making all these connections that I had no idea were really like tied to that particular situation in my life. And it was—it was really, it was definitely a testimony to me that. It, there's that was your buy-in moment. It, that was my buy-in moment. It's more yeah. than just snake oil. Yeah. 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 What well, is it about... Sorry, can I... You, let me let me shoot away. It's your podcast, dude. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> You're just the good looks on it. Oh, my God. So what is it about... <laughs> let me assure you. What is it about the, the spot that you're looking to... And the point in the brain, because it sounds to me like, and I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, but it sounds like there's some kind of correlation there that like where you're looking for memory recall, they're seeing through the eyes, like right. where it's coming from in the brain is, am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah, actually. So can think of it in terms of like, um, files in your brain, right? And some files are organized and some are not really well organized. Right. And when you're looking at a particular spot, um, you can be associating that with the situation, but it's also, I mean, obviously nothing is standalone in the brain, right? So it's like, 
yeah, I have this thing about my daughter and then it's also about my mom and about my husband and my children and when I grow up. And so it's kind of, and it's a very interesting feeling because after a while, like I had to close my eyes and I could just like feel my brain on fire. And it felt like it was just like sorting through all these files. And I was like, okay, that for me is a good um way for me to explain it and to think about it because you're um so ocularly you're through your eyes it's getting to a part of your brain that is closer to the limbic system right so when we're doing talk therapy we're working from the top down we're basically Mm -hmm. we're in the prefrontal cortex we're talking about planning you know we're giving we're trying to give people skills from the top down right um but far more effective is working from the bottom up. So doing things like somatic therapy and being in the body, right? So I start out with, um, I brought in some essential oils into my office and I have people, you know, kind of smell them and see if there's anything that that resonates with them and they put on their hands and they smell them and then I put binaural music on really soft so they can still hear me and hear the music and, you know, that's very calming and then we start in with the, um, talking about it and getting them kind of in there, being reactive mm-hmm. to it. In the and recall. In the recall. The music's yeah. like anthrax and yeah, for that sure. Stuff. Yeah, That's Skrillex. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love binaural Good beats, call. by the way. They right. are for me personally. They've been a game changer. Whenever yeah. I do process group, yeah. I always have binaural beats on, mostly for me. Hopefully, the clients get something out of it too. But yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I put their headphones on and have them listen to that. And then I will scan their field of vision with my little flag pointer, you know. And it's really interesting because sometimes I had a client the other day who had this a really interesting eye wobble, right? And I'm like, so did you feel that? She's like, no. And I said, so your eyes kind of did this thing. And she's like, they did? And so we kind of sat in there, you know, for a while and... And I am very verbal, so when I did it, I was like talking and telling everyone all of my trauma. But the clients that I've worked with, I'm like, you don't have to talk. Like you can just sit there and stare at this spot, you know, and and feel that place in your body, right? And for her, it was like in her chest and tightness in her throat. And uh, she was like, okay, are we done? I'm like, yeah, I guess we're done. I'm sitting here thinking, well, that didn't do anything. And then she texted me later and she's like, okay, the rest of my day, I couldn't believe how much more clear and calm I was. And Mm. I didn't rage the way I normally do at things. And I was like, okay, good. Because it can bring up some stuff, right? You can be like real sensitive, kind of like EMDR. and, And people don't necessarily always remember the fact that it can make things worse before it makes it better. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just having the brain, um, on a on a lower level, right? Like a more unconscious level, working through what has gone on, um, helps reorganize those pathways to a more healthy and emotionally regulated state. So it's fascinating, right? Yeah, it's it's totally above my pay grade. Exactly how it all works, but I'm like willing to give it a try. I just and. Yeah, kind of like you said, I think coming up with new things to deal with, helping people find emotional regulation and like figure out what is it, how they can deal with it, right? And it's whole the vagus nerve, you know, polyvagal kind of thing when you've got 80% of your communication going up through the brainstem and 20% coming down, you know that doing that our work from the bottom up is going to be really important. So having people get into their body. So even when I'm in group therapy, I'm doing everything I can to get people out of their chairs. And it can, you know, even if it's like they're doing painting or they're, you know, art therapy, and I'm not even giving them direction because I don't know anything about art. I'm just like, just color or paint and I talk about play with your inner child (laughs) and and, you know then as they're doing that I'm giving some lecture about some neurology kind of thing because that's my wheelhouse and yeah and then at the end I'll get these really thoughtful questions that you know are kind of above that person's normal yeah state of being kicking their coverage yeah yeah and you know and simple things like even just like tossing balls back and forth to each other and stuff because when you're getting your body involved while you're talking and processing there's so much more that goes on in the head right and that that brain is functioning in such a way that communication is happening 
on a deeper level, right? So it, I've had friends who have are therapists from other countries, and they're like, I, don't, I will never understand Americans. You put people in a dark room lit with neon lights or, you know, those fluorescent lighting with no windows, and you tell them to talk about being depressed and anxious. And I'm like... Yeah, that is kind of messed up, isn't it? When you say it like that, yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound like the healthiest approach. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, what do you do in your country? And he says, we walk. We walk outside. Mm. And I'm like, well, what if it's raining or cold? He's like, there's never bad weather. There's only bad clothes. And mm. I'm like, okay. So, you know, and he's like, your best doctors are your feet. I'm like, okay. So I try and just get people as physically in it as I can. And, yeah, so we've done things like a... a Post-traumatic growth tree was one of the things that I learned from Mark Pimsler, and it was—it's just really cool. People, I have a you know in group therapy, I don't say anything other than there is no talking, no one can say anything, and I'll put out this you know huge thing of Sharpie markers, and I've taped six poster boards together, and I'm like, you guys need to draw a tree as a group, and it has to have roots and a trunk and a canopy with fruit in it. And they're like, we can't talk to each other? I'm like, nope. And it's always amazing, like, the beautiful things that come out of this, right? And pe- you will have some artist, and you'll have somebody who can't draw stick figures, you know. And, and they all they, yeah. <laughs> they all collaborate, and they draw this beautiful tree, right? And then we talk about there's a tree in Texas that's in Hurricane Alley, and it's had its rims, limbs ripped off. And I like to call it Hurricane Alley. <laughs> <laughs> Except for it was a hurricane. Anyways. Oh. And it's ripped the limbs off, and it's you know it's it withstood two droughts and and four different hurricanes, and then there's a tree in a mall, and it is um, taken care of by an app that measures the amount of water in the soil and the amount of nutrients that that is in the soil, and it has a canopy over it to make sure it has the exact right amount of sunlight and. You know, and it's taken care of by a professional arborist. And which tree are you worried about? Which tree do you think is going to survive the longest? I would say the one that's being taken care of and monitored and observed and measured. Yeah. No. What do you think, Doc? Well, I mean, I had... She a, just gave away the answer. I, I know, did. but I I know. <laughs> and I, I mean, the way she asked the question, we knew the answer. But uh, my my brain went to... Which tree would I pick in a fight? <laughs> I'd pick the one that's, that's outdoors, right? Out that's the, yeah. that's yeah. the tougher tree, right? That's the tree that has been able to adapt and survive through a whole bunch of stuff. Right, and kind of as people, right, when we are sheltered and we don't have experience, we end up not being really kind of as tough as people that have had traumatic that have, that experiences have had to get over difficult things right, right that have had to grow through difficult things right. and that particular tree in hurricane alley produces a tremendous amount of fruit and it's in the wow. local area and all you know and it's celebrated oh anyways so then we talk about everybody i give everybody a three by five cards and they have to write their trauma and then what strength they've gained from it, and what fruit could come from that strength. Mm, I love that. And they can't talk, right? And they just write them all down, and they, and you know, it's it's just it's really fascinating. Yeah. You know, I get a lot of rape down at the bottom, and then, you know, on the trunk, people will write things like, you know, physically stronger, mentally stronger, and then in the fruit, they'll be like, you know, an advocate or. Whatever. And it just, it's a different way of looking at trauma because post traumatic growth, right? The difference between post traumatic st- uh, stress disorder and post traumatic growth encompasses a lot of different things, right? And I had certification for, with FEMA and Red Cross, on being um, a first responder therapist. And, um, one of the things that is really most valuable is allowing people to move around to incorporate their body in what's going on, right? So, you know, it's kind of, you would think, oh, calm down, it's okay, here's a blanket, sit down, you know, don't move, it's just lay down or sit down or whatever. But that's not actually necessarily the most effective thing they found because, especially now with like school shootings and stuff, we're having a lot more there's a, a greater amount of research on what is actually most helpful in situations like that. So, 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When I was, so I'm an ACE, that's an advanced substance use disorder counselor. So we don't go too much into like the trauma and the mental health piece. It's more hyper-focused on, I like to tell people I'm a sniper with SUD, right? So, but we did touch on trauma a little bit and, and the professor at the time compared it to, she showed a little video of like a dog after getting a bath and how they're wound up, they run around, they shake, they, right? And exactly what you're talking about you know somebody gets in a car wreck and the first thing that emts do is oh you know sit down and they put a blanket on you and hold still and stay right. here and and it's if you watch animals it's actually the complete opposite when they've gone through something that makes their adrenals go crazy and they're all they run yeah, yeah exactly they, yeah. they get into their body and they they use that energy or they disperse that energy well and oftentimes the body does that naturally right you'll start to shake Right. Like I was a lifeguard for a long time and your training kicks in and you jump in the pool and you get the kid out and you hold them and you hold their spine in place. You get them on the backboard and they get in the, you know, in the ambulance and then you're filling out the paperwork. And then all of a sudden you just start falling to pieces or you start shaking and crying. It's the body's way of getting back online. And like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So staying in your body during situations like this with runners, um, people like, you know, instead of like freeze fight, you know, kind of thing. People who actually move, who are consider themselves runners in a scary or traumatic situation where they're like jump out of the way or fight back or whatever, um, tend to have less PTSD and more post-traumatic growth than people. Like if you're pinned down during a traumatic situation, if you're pinned in a car during a car accident and you have to wait for the jaws of life to get you out, right? You're, um, the date timestamp in your brain has back basically been turned off because just like when you get really cold and all your blood goes to the center of your body to protect your vital organs, your brain does the same thing. It shuts down all that long-term thinking and it kind of goes down into the middle. Survival and it, mode. Survival mode, right. Yeah. And it shuts down things, especially like your date timestamp, right? So you have no concept of how long you're actually there yeah. or what day it is. And that's what contributes to PTSD. That's why you're like, you could be right there again because your brain didn't know when it happened. And so it could just keeps bringing it up as though it were now. Fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. So. I cut you off. Oh, Did I you have know. something? Did you? Well, I got all kinds of things. <laughs> He's oh. forgotten already. No, I, um, thanks for, for describing exactly how my life works now. But um, <laughs> it's totally true. But uh, no, I, I I have something, but I, it doesn't seem to fit in very well. But that's all right. We can wanna, make it fit. I want to go back, okay. way back. Okay. You mentioned at the beginning that when you get a patient, you like them to be activated. How do you do that? Have them talk about the situation. Okay, so we're picking a particular traumatic event, and you're just having them go through it with you. Okay, yeah. and that, and so you've got them sort of in their PTSD. You've got well, them re- and you, and you sort to, of reliving the moment a little bit. Right, and you have to like be wise, right? So sure. I have um, have a a vet who has um, comp- very complex. Somebody that takes PTSD. care of animals. <laughs> a veteran. Oh, a veteran. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he um, has very complex trauma. Sure. So a, just a lifetime of sure. all kinds of things, right? And most of our vets have very complex trauma. Sure. Um, so you start on the periphery, right? So we started on, he gets really frustrated with procrastination. Mm. So we started there. And, you know, and I said, listen, you don't have to talk. You don't have to say anything. Right, and so he's just staring at this spot, and he's just crying. Because he's not he's not describing to you his procrastination. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, to where I'm like, "How are you feeling right now?" And I'm like, "A zero to 10. He's like, "I'm like at an eight. I'm like, "Perfect. Where do you feel that in your body?" He's like, "In my hands." And I'm like, "Okay, I want you to just focus on your hands, and just stare at this spot, you know." And after a while, he's crying. He's like, "I have no idea why I'm crying." I'm like, "It's okay. Just stay with it. Just." Stay with that feeling and just where, you know, stick with your body. And so it's just fascinating how it kind of works and you just, I don't know, let it do what it does. I yeah. Guess. Interesting. I'm always fascinated with like trauma, trauma work and, and stuff like that, which brings me into, we've only got two minutes here. Help me explain why some clients, I get clients and we're going through a BPS, right? And, you know, you ask them questions like, hi, I met you 30 seconds ago. Tell me about all the... Biopsychosocial for our listeners. Thank you. A biopsychosocial assessment. And I get this frequently when I go back 
later in later sessions to talk about the information I gathered during that assessment. I don't want to talk about that. I've talked about that so many mm. times before. Oh, that's common. Yeah. Is that, do you think that's defensiveness? Would you say that that's more, take a different modality approach, like the kind of more of the here and now? In other words, at what point are, is it, does it become counterproductive to revisit these things? Or do you believe that it's not? Right. So, I mean, if it's triggering, if they're saying, I can't, I don't want to talk about that. I've already talked about it again. It's actually still triggering. That's the one you need to talk about. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the one you need to bring up. Got so it. often that's the deal, right? Because yeah. when you've worked through it, you're able to use it as a tool. It becomes, it can become strength, right? And a per- or perception shift. You, you no yeah. longer earn the victim mindset. And when I say victim, there are genuine victims out there, but right. I'm talking about from a mindset to more of a victor or survivor survivor yeah yeah okay hey we got a minute left my friend so i know i'm gonna ask don a couple of questions okay shoot is there anything you want to say last that is there anything you didn't get across that you want to get across you know probably after i watch this later i'll be like why didn't i (laughs) but no (laughs) nothing you can think of no okay is there any last statements you'd like to make to people listening It's okay. That's kind of a loaded question. It's it's extremely loaded. (laughs) Statements in general. You got 30 seconds to come up with something brilliant. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Everybody needs to see a therapist. Therapy Mm. is actually incredibly Yeah, we look at that sometimes as a weakness or like, oh, you got to go see a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Especially if you disassociate halfway through the podcast and aren't familiar with what's going on. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Doc. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. All right, Everybody, we'll see you guys next week. We appreciate you listening. Thanks, and we'll see you in one week. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.